This is Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, which is part of the Replicate Podcast Network. It is a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. Here is your host, Colin Wood. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast. We're continuing our discussion of the three temptations that Jesus faced in the wilderness. Last time we talked about how this pattern, this this strategy that Satan used with Jesus in the wilderness can be applied to how he tempts us today. And Pastor, you talked last time about the first temptation being one of appetite, uh, the issue being need and satisfaction. And, And you told us that the core issue of appetite is really fear. Either I'll I'll never have enough or I want to keep what I what I do have. And I love what you said about uh, taking us to the gospel, that Jesus became needy so that we can be satisfied. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. Uh, today, uh, you s- said we're going to look at one of the other two ways that Jesus was tempted in the wilderness so that we can be ready to face these same kinds of temptations. Yeah, we uh, we want to learn so that we understand the attacks and schemes and wiles, as the King James says, of the enemy. And uh, what we've said, and uh, just to reiterate, these are the three categories that Satan tempts us today. The same three categories he tempted Jesus with are the same three today. Mm. And so the first one is, I'll never have enough. Mm. Today, we're going to dive into the second one, which is the one, just full disclosure, I struggle with probably the most, which is I'll never be enough. Mm. I'll never be good enough, or no one will accept me enough. And so today we're going to talk about the temptation of approval. Yeah. So let's dive into it. Verse five, chapter four of Matthew, Uh, read uh, until uh, verse seven. Okay. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will give his angels orders concerning you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus told him, it is also written, do not test the Lord your God. Yeah. Now, before we get into this, here's an interesting little insight into that verse. Jesus actually is being quoted scripture by Satan. Yeah. Okay. It's pretty interesting. And we always talk about the the devil knows scripture. He knows it probably better than most Christians. However, he doesn't apply it or live it. Mm. This is a perfect example of the enemy knowing scripture, but let me show you what he does. He actually twists the scripture. Because in in between those four verses we have in our Bible, four lines, he's leaving out one line from the direct connection to the Old Testament. So that's a connection, if you remember, to Psalm 91, 11 through 12. Psalm 91, 11 through 12. There is one line that he leaves out to twist the scripture to make a point. So, Colin, if you can, turn to Psalm 91. 11 through 12, and I want the listeners to see if they can figure out what is missing and why Satan leaves it out. And you'll see how he twists the scripture. Okay. Uh, It says this, for he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you in all your ways. They will support you with their hands. All right, stop there. We don't see that. To protect you in all your ways. Wow, that's interesting. He left that out. Keep Uh going. Support you in your hands. That's there. So that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Okay, so what Satan is trying to do is, Satan is twisting this verse, not to use as a verse of protection or a verse of 
God's providence or uh, God's um, angels guarding you from evil. No, this is a verse he's using to prove something. Mm. He takes that verse out and says, look, the angels will come and basically wait on you hand and foot to do whatever you want. Mm. And basically what he's tempting Jesus here is with this, okay? He's saying, why don't you throw yourself off the highest point of the temple? I mean, why don't you just get up to the top? The crowd will gather around you, Jesus. You can jump off. You'll make a big splash. It'll be a memorable moment. You'll be a household name, and uh, you'll prove your identity right out the gate. You don't have to wait three and a half years or go to the cross, forget all that business. And basically, he says, I'll be your spokesman. You know, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, kids of all ages, come see Jesus of Nazareth, free dive off of the temple into the hand of angels below. Hmm. I mean, you got to admit, that would be a pretty amazing feat to prove that, wow, this guy's really something. Yeah. But again, what Satan is showing us is that he wants Jesus to be the Messiah that the world wants. Hmm. See, the world is looking for a Messiah that is a William Wallace from Braveheart. You mm, know, one of those. That. I love him. Yeah, he is a good, actually. He's <laughs> a great, is a great uh, hero. Uh, the masses want someone that's going to put an end to Rome and give peace to Israel and help them be restored to the uh, to, to the victory and the place they once were. That's not why Jesus came. Mm. And so, what Satan is tempting him, and boy, he tempts us to shortcut the process in order to gain the approval of people. Now, here's how approval works: there are two sides to the approval coin or two extremes. On the one hand, we struggle, at least I do, with rejection. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, we seek dogmatically, persistently approval. Mm. So we're, 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 we have to have approval, we seek approval, okay? So let's take, uh, let's take rejection. Rejection is, you would say, and you hear people saying this, and it sounds super spiritual, I don't really care what people think of me. Mm. I, I'm not worried about what those people say about, I really don't care. You've yeah. heard people say that. Yeah. Uh, it sounds good, and 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 maybe there is a hint of truth there. But at the core, every person on the planet is concerned somewhat about what other people think of you. Mm -hmm. So to become, you know, self-effacing or humiliating to the extreme, then that's actually a problem. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now the flip side is the flip side is we seek approval to a fault. And that is we want to be loved, we want to be accepted, but we want it in a way to to help us live and be satisfied and we're very needy. So, so maybe not even loved, but just adored or yeah, like, affirmed. Love, I, yeah, I almost think love is too deep for what you're talking about. This no, that's good. Yeah, love surface would, level. That's true. Yeah. Uh liked on Facebook or Twitter. Applause. Applaud. Yeah, applauded uh in person. So let's think about a couple ways this has happened to us, because normally you can trace back in your childhood or growing up something that took place that put you on this trajectory of seeking approval. OK, so for some of you, you are still seeking the approval of mom or dad today as adults. Mm. Now, you wouldn't admit that, but you're still trying to seek the approval of dad or mom. And you may not think about it, but you, you really want to please them. Or maybe you have a, a, a coach that you couldn't please in high school, and now you find yourself trying to live up to those expectations that are way bigger than you can even live up to. Uh, some of you are trying to earn the approval of your friends. You know, I mean, I wish my friends would just like me, and, and you're an adult doing this. Uh, some of you think, man, if I could just get in the right relationship, man, I could just get approval and affirmation. Now, think about today, Colin. This is interesting. 
the culture we live in is very different than the culture you and I were raised in. Not to date us, but um, we didn't have online social media. I don't think online. I don't think we had online. After that came out, I was thinking, <laughs> I don't think we knew what online was, actually. <laughs> At some point, I remember the uh, awful sounds that would happen when you did get online. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, man. And then someone would pick the phone up. Oh, my god! Like, gosh. who goes? I'm on the yeah. internet. <laughs> yeah. And when you pick it up, you hear the screeching. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they would kick you off. Oh, yeah, and then you have to dial back up with AOL. <laughs> so yeah. very different. Very different. Than- okay. So there was no YouTube. No. Which for me was a good thing because thank God some of those crazy moments <laughs> are just not online. <laughs> I would not be sitting here. I'm convinced of that. Okay. No YouTube. No uh, Vimeo. No TikTok. No Instagram. Uh, so we didn't have some of the challenges and temptations that our children have or even your grandchildren, if you're listening. So think of the pressure today of the young people to want to be famous. I think I read a statistic that said it's somewhere around 23 or 26 percent of young teenagers, okay, of younger people, 23, 26 percent. So four out of uh-huh, four out of four out of 10, let's say. Uh, I was, uh, yeah, four. Uh, That'd be forty percent. No, not four to ten. Uh, <laughs> Two point five out of ten. Two point five out of ten. Twenty five. Twenty five percent. That's what I meant. I, I mean, I'm trying to divide one it in out four. One trying out to divide four. one out of four. That's what I was saying. Twenty five percent. It's early, and the math is not working. That's right. Twenty five percent of teenagers believe with all of their heart they're going to be famous one day. Now that doesn't seem like a lot. Twenty five percent. That is a lot of people. Yeah, that's a lot who are convinced in their mind. And sadly, I got at least one, maybe two in my home. Maybe <laughs> out of two. two, two out of two. I'm two for two in my home. <laughs> they are convinced of it. And so I started to do some research about this. If you are convinced that you need to be famous in order to receive affirmation and accolades and stroking your ego, you will go to great lengths to do whatever it takes to be famous. Mm. You can just search the internet. 22-year-old Danish YouTuber, you may have heard of him, Albert Dierland, was filming himself on the side of a mountain and in the middle of filming, loses his footing and falls to his death. In the middle of filming, okay, just really risking it. Uh, the craziest story, and I've got a few of them, but I'll just I'll just give you one more. Mona Lisa Perez, and you can look this up, and her boyfriend, Pedro. This was a young couple. They had a three-year-old son. They were convinced they were going to be YouTube famous. I mean, they, they kept telling their channel, we're getting there. Keep liking, keep sharing. And Smash they would, that like button. Hit the just subscribe. Yeah, because we're going to be famous, and y'all <laughs> been with us since we, you know. And so, yeah. And so uh, they would prank each other in the beginning. So she would like put hot sauce in his food or make him drink something. It was like, you know, benign. Innocent. Innocent. Yeah. yeah. Then they took it up a notch and realized they had to be tantalizing. They weren't provocative enough. And so she decides to take a Desert Eagle handgun and hold it up right in point blank distance from her boyfriend, who on his chest is an Encyclopedia Britannica, uh, Encyclopedia, a big thick book that in hindsight, she said, we, we, we tried this. I don't know how they tried this in a practice run to make sure it would work. And when the camera was rolling, surrounded by 30 onlookers and their three-year-old son, she holds up, with the camera's rolling, the Desert Eagle, and fires a bullet into the chest of her husband and kills him immediately. That boggles my mind. But when you you talk about the desire for uh, fame, celebrity, 
to be liked and uh, accepted. Um, the ends justify the means. Yes. After the break, Pastor, I want us to get to what the core issue is uh, for approval, because you you told us last time that the core issue of appetite is fear. I want to know what the core issue of approval is, and then how does Jesus address this temptation in the, the, the wilderness, but how does he win the victory for us at the cross? After the break, we'll talk about those things. Are you struggling with the fatigue of ministry post-COVID? Have you experienced some fruit but hit a plateau in your life or even your church? Could you benefit from a group of like-minded leaders who can help you achieve your God-given potential? Being a church leader is more challenging today than it has ever been, and the pandemic hasn't made it any easier to lead. We now have a whole new set of problems to deal with as church leaders that will require new solutions. With this in mind, we developed the Replicate Collective. This is a close-knit group of church leaders who want to help you and your church unleash your God-given potential. Members of the Collective will interact with premier church leaders, men like Will Mancini, David Platt, Pete Scazzaro, and many others. Members of the Collective create catalytic clarity for their church and personal lives. They participate in weekly huddles with like-minded church leaders and you'll get personal coaching from me and the Replicate team. If you're interested in applying to join the collective or simply want to find out more, head over to replicatecollective.com. Replicatecollective.com. We have limited spots, so you want to check it out today. We're talking about the issue of approval, this temptation that Jesus faced in the wilderness that we face today, Satan uses against us. Pastor, you said this is... Uh, maybe the one that you struggle with the most, and you even see it in your 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 young boys uh, at an early age. Something that Satan um, uses it against all of us. I mm-hmm. think some of us are just um, we, we lean towards one of these temptations where it we're easier we we fall more easily to one of them. And so you were just talking about how we see this in culture today with this insatiable desire to be famous, not really known as a person, but just applauded and famous on a celebrity, a very surface level issue. Yeah. Um, And remember too, for those just tuning in, we gave you a triangle last week and the triangle has different sides with each of the temptations. So at the top is appetite. Yeah. And then at the right side, now we've put approval and then we have a reverse triangle in the middle of it. So each, each temptation has a core issue. Fear was attached to approval. Now we're going to talk about the core issue of shame. Shame is the issue with approval. Hmm. When you don't get the approval you're seeking from the world or a person or a job or a profession, then you feel shame. And that is Satan's greatest tool that cripples, watch this, the intimacy we have with God. Hmm. You need to remember that. Shame is what Satan uses to cripple us with intimacy with God. Now, how do I know this? Let's go all the way back to the garden in Genesis 3. The three temptations of Satan or the serpent in Genesis 3 or mm-hmm. Genesis 2 and 3 when they were naked uh, and unashamed, and then we go into the temptations in Genesis 3, are the same three categories that he uses 
in the garden, in the wilderness. And it's the same three temptations first John talks about in his letter, the lust wow. of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Okay. Wow. So the we see in Genesis two, this is what's interesting. The first couple, after God made everything good and gave them their marching orders, care for the land, multiply. The last line it says, this is how it ends. They were naked and knew no shame. Hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Naked and knew no shame. Why? Because mm-hmm. they were in perfect communion with the Father. Everything they had was from God. They were satisfied. Hmm. Then Genesis 3 begins with this. The serpent, who was more crafty than any other creature in the garden, came to them and asked the question, did God really say? Tempted them with the fruit, obviously. Did God really say? And then shortly thereafter, we find Adam Mm -hmm. and Eve hiding behind a bush, realizing they were naked and shamed. Wow. They were in shame. Okay. Mm -hmm. Shame. Let me say it again. Shame is Satan's barricade. You need to get this to intimacy. Intimacy with loved ones, intimacy with our family, intimacy with friends, intimacy with God. Shame will will be something that would drive you from God. Now, there is a difference, let me just say this, between conviction of sin and shame, because this is a big topic we need to understand because it's interesting. So conviction of sin happens when you do something wrong. Okay. If you and I sin... And we do something, uh, if we take something that's not ours or slander someone, if you're a believer, you're going to start feeling bad about that, Mm -hmm. okay? And you're going to think, wow, I shouldn't have done that. Okay, so conviction of sin is God's mechanism or, or the mechanism that the Holy Spirit uses for fallen human beings to realize that we have boundaries and limitations. We're going to mess up. We feel the weight of that, but we we run back to the Lord to a Savior who forgives us and welcomes us back in. But that sounds like that sounds like shame. Like when you describe, I do something wrong, I feel bad about it. That sounds like shame. So how can I tell the difference yeah, between conviction and shame? It sounds like it, and sometimes it even feels like it. I would even say you even feel like, man, I feel like I did something wrong. I'm ashamed Here, of what I did. Yes. Yeah, ashamed of what you did and toxic or unhealthy shame is different, and I'll show you the difference. Shame as a weapon, weaponized from Satan, shame is actually the belief that something is inherently wrong with you. Okay, so here's the way you think of it. Conviction of sin says I did something wrong. What I did Mm. was bad. Shame says I am bad. I am a mistake. I am wrong. That's really helpful. See the difference? So now those listening would say, wow, I've felt that at times. I just say a personal story about me in my own life. Um, I found my whole life I was trying to seek the approval of others, particularly with trying to get people to like me. When I was in middle school, I got asked to leave. I I say kicked out. Mom and dad said asked to leave. I don't know the difference (laughs) of uh, the co-ed school I was going to. And my parents put me in an all-boys Catholic high school in the seventh grade. I transferred in the middle of the year. You remember that kid who comes middle of the year? He's never accepted. Surprisingly to me and my parents, I tested into the school, into the honors program. Mm -hmm. Who knew? Who knew? Neither did I or parents believe it. But uh, I lasted a whopping uh, two semesters until the end of the year when I flunked out. I actually had to study something I wasn't good at. (laughs) And uh, so the eighth grade year, I was put in the remedial classes or the regular classes. So the smart kids thought I was a dunce. The 
athletes and the uh, average kids or the, the 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 kids in the normal classes thought I was a nerd, and so I had no friends. Went to the ninth grade year. I, I managed to pick up two friends, uh, which wasn't very promising for me. Made fun of all the time, picked on. And when I went home that ninth grade year, I made a vow to myself. I will never be a loser again. That's why I said, I'm going to do whatever it takes. Came back to 10th grade year and realized I had a knack for imitating the teachers. So while Mr. Fredrickson was teaching physics and everybody was taking notes on equations, I was writing in the back of my notebook, different sayings, Mr. Fredrickson would say, Mr. Gallery, you better knock it off. I'm going to knock your head off. I mean, things like that. Like, and, and I was able to, or I'd go to religion class to Mr. Prenator said, Mr. Gallery, you play with fly, you're going to get burned. So I would be able to imitate these guys on demand. Mr. Wrong in history, knock it off, son. You know, just imitate them. And so right away, I went and, and, and right away, people were like, Gallaty, do, do Mr. Ferguson, do Mr. Wrong. <laughs> On the spot, I do these imitations and I could play the parts of these teachers. Well, here's what happened. That took me through high school, college, into the drug world. And I didn't figure it out till I was 27, 26 years old, actually, in a counseling session after a year of intense counseling that my therapist looked at me and said, I don't think Robbie knows who Robbie is. Mm. I said, what are you talking about? She said, you've been playing parts to please people all of your life, and you don't even know who you are. Here's what she told me to do. It was one of the hardest things I had to do. She said, go home tonight, and I want you to take, uh, I want you to do it when everybody's out and no one's distracting. I want you to go into your bathroom, put your nose against the mirror. It's very hard to do, by the way. This is crazy. You try this tonight. You're laughing. But you I'm try not it. doing it. It is very intimidating. And what's intimidating is you. You intimidate yourself. I'm, I'm telling you, it's crazy. So she said, sorry, go put sorry, your... Yeah, thank serious. you. This is a very serious moment, but thank you. Uh, she said, put your nose on the uh, mirror, look yourself in the eyes, and ask yourself the question, who is Robbie Gallaty, and what does Robbie want out of life? And, and I thought, this oh, is I from a secular psychologist. Secular psychiatrist. She doesn't know the Lord. But she says, hey, go go do this. And man, I went in there and it was the heart because I, I had to come with the realization that I had lived the life to please other people hmm. up to that point. Now, I'd love to say since that time I've mastered it and you know, no, it's a constant thing. And here's how it works. The triangle we're going to teach you, we'll give you the next one next week, uh, which would be ambition. The triangle works like this. You're going to bounce at times in life from different parts of the triangle. One of them you're going to struggle with more often than, than most, and we'll talk a little more next week in the following week about this. But the, the, the thing you're going to realize is this. You struggle with one, but you bounce to others when you don't get satisfaction from one. So, for example, let me show you how it works for me. When I don't get approval from people, you know, a job or a spouse or people I work with or my wife, then I'm going to bounce to, or I'm going to ping pong to the ambition side and I'm going to work incessantly to get something done. People are going to say, wow, nobody works harder than you. No, man, I'm working. I'm more appetite. Well, I, I do that. And if I can't get it there, then I'm going to ping pong over to appetite and I'm going to go after and indulge in a Haagen-Dazs ice cream bowl with whipped cream, sprinkles, caramel, and cherry on top because I know I can win at that. I know I can defeat that. And so what happens is we medicate ourselves with a different corner of the triangle. And then what happens is you begin to believe the lies and the narrative of Satan. Okay, so here's the question. Why, how can we overcome this? Yeah. We overcome these lies 
with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, mm. Jesus, remember, Jesus becomes what we deserve. Mm. Jesus absorbs what we uh, should have taken on ourselves. So Jesus actually, watch this, becomes rejected. Mm. He's rejected by his disciples, or he's deserted by his disciples. He's rejected by the people he came to save, and he's forsaken by the Father on the cross mm so that you and I don't have to be. So he becomes and absorbs what we deserve. Therefore, when we call out to him, he empathizes with us in our weaknesses and he gives us the power and sustains us in the very thing we're searching for. So that's why I tell people, you cannot overcome the temptation of approval with positive thinking or incantations or mm-hmm. uh, you know, self-talk. I mean, those things are helpful in the moment. But the only way to break free from the temptation that shackles every person, whether it's approval, appetite, or ambition, is through repeating and preaching the gospel to yourself. Now, Mm -hmm. in a few weeks, we'll talk about how to do this, but I think that's a good stopping point uh, for us now. Man, that's so good, Pastor. Um, To to constantly run to the gospel, even as you were talking about uh, earning approval, I was immediately thinking that this is something that I struggle with with God that I, I feel like I have to earn God's approval. But that's mm. a lie from Satan yes. making me think, or not making me think, but tempting me to think, will I ever be enough? And yet the gospel says, I don't earn the approval of God. I have the approval of God and that I live out of that. So let me ask one thing real because this you yeah. got me thinking, this is so good to think through. Think about Jesus's baptism. And mm-hmm. we'll, we'll end with this. When Jesus was baptized, the Father from heaven spoke and said these words, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. In a sense, he's saying, I approve you. I'm pleased with you. The the question is, what is he pleased with? Jesus has done nothing of discernible ministry. Yeah. At, of the, we don't know of him doing anything at like that point. Yeah. yeah, everything he's about to do to, quote unquote, earn the favor of the Father is coming next. He does nothing that we know of, and yet the Father shows us he approves the Son before he does anything. And boy, what a reminder for us. We don't earn the approval of God. We, we don't work for the approval of God. We work from the approval mm-hmm. we already have in him. That's so good. Well, if you're a pastor or a ministry leader listening to this right now, I suspect that some of you are hiding in shame right now, that you seek the approval of your people that you lead. It's an easy temptation. Uh, Pastor, you and I talk about this all the time, how easy it is to be tempted to seek the approval of our people. Uh, I, I would just encourage you to come out of hiding, come out of that shame, and to confess that sin, that temptation, and start walking in the approval that God already has on your life. Hey, if this podcast and others are helpful to you, do us a favor and share it with someone else who you think would also benefit from it. We are uh, pastor staff members learning just like you, and so we love to take you on this journey that that we're on as well. Uh, Join us next time uh, as we talk about the third pattern of temptation that Satan used with Jesus in the wilderness. Uh, We'll be talking about the temptation of ambition.
Thank you for joining us for this episode. Take a moment to subscribe and share this podcast. You can receive more free resources to help you make disciples in your home, group, or church by clicking the link in the show notes or visiting our website at replicate.org.